posting dank memes on Facebook about, ha ha, your horseless carriage ran out of gas and I had to pull it with my horse, you idiot. It was down between this and Schindler's Lion King. My version of hell, it'll be uh, Old Town Road on a loop. Have you ever listened to the show? Because you do jingles every episode. They do a really funny poop joke in it. I'm like, oh, I can appreciate that. That's not even black and white. And I've never seen it. Gross. Oh, you're looking at me expect- expectantly. Oh, I'm... Oh, I'm, I'm waiting for something that's either gross or... Yeah, maybe next week. I gotta think about it some more, but we'll see. Okay. <laughs> oh, so how's life outside your window? Because that's where you're looking. Oh, we got hay bales out there and a for sale sign on the neighbors that won't clean up their shitty yard. They're, they're moving, so... <laughs> Bye. How did the oh that, this is a good thing, right? Uh-huh. Oh yes. How did the get together or the get together didn't happen? That didn't happen. The torrential downpour thing happened here. So I happily sat inside and ate pork chops and macaroni and cheese and was perfectly okay with that. I mean, how are you even gonna address that? I don't know. I, I literally don't know because if it comes out well, we listen to your show and, uh-huh. uh, and I'm like, ah, it's, it's a, it's an improv situational comedy show about movies and life. <laughs> it's, it's just a joke. Yep. Don't take yep. it seriously. Yeah. But I, hey, whatever. Tell, um, the, tell them the vast majority of our audience is in India. So. Yes, exactly. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it's, Oh yeah, there's there's drama beside us. Trust me, it's the talk of the town right now. Is they moved in spring and now they're moving out, and they're not seen much together. And they keep odd hours, and all signs point to one thing. If you know what I mean, uh, they're vampires. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that Fright Night picture. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, hey, here's a here's a uh, life hack. Um, if you use essential oils, Ugh. which, <laughs> which you know, when I have a headache, um, I start with peppermint because that's, that's stage one. And then if that shit doesn't go away, then stage two is Advil or whatever. But stage one is peppermint. So... The life hack here is when you put the peppermint on your on your temples and your forehead and the kind of the back of your ears, behind your ears and your neck, so that your entire your basically your entire head smells like a like a, a urinal cake. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you don't want to do is forget yourself and then go and like adjust your balls <laughs> without washing your hands. I was I was after. hoping you're gonna say rub your eyes. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, well, that too, but especially like rubbing the balls or adjusting, mm-hmm. you know, because us men who have to adjust sometimes, it really, really is unpleasant. It's kind of like hot wings, eating hot wings and not washing. It's first cousins to the, the hot wing ball touch. I'm cool with that. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine with you experiencing that. I don't feel oh, bad. And it literally like I got home. I'm like, okay, I got a headache, of course. 
So smearing peppermint all over my plate, all over my face and whatever. And then they're like, okay, sitting down to hit record and let's adjust the balls real quick. Hit record. Oh, it's just, it's, oh, it's just itchy and burny and uh, it's very much a, a VD. <laughs> I'll have to take your advice on that one. <laughs> yeah. So there's your life hack for the day. And of course, life hack number two is... <laughs> Morning. <laughs> Morning. Awesome. Uh, well, my kid was up throwing up last night, and uh, uh, so nobody there. There was no sleep last night, and oh. um, let's see. I had to take three dogs to the groomers at the same time, which that was something. That was something. Let me tell you. <laughs> You can tell Eugene that I haven't taken Ambien in like a month and I'm ready to die. Did you hear that? I did. I heard that. <laughs> so, literally up all night. Yeah, all night. Asking oh, yuck. <laughs> hey, I didn't go to sleep. Tell you, well, I was asleep until you woke me up. <laughs> Movie freaks. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and I was gonna bitch about I was I woke up at four with my with male menopause, but that doesn't matter after <laughs> hearing your thing. <laughs> uh, oh no, I, I mean, it, I mean, went to bed at like midnight after she something like that. She drugged me off the couch, and then I, I have these this thing where if I have to get up before six, uh, then I have I, I just can't do it, and yeah. so I have I can't sleep, and I have what I call uh, like micro nightmares where you fall asleep, you have this really frustrating situation and you wake up and it's only been five minutes and then you fall asleep and you have it again oh, and cycle awful. repeat cycle repeat cycle repeat and that was my last night ho ho oh. buddy was that last night uh, yeah and for me it was one I we were doing uh, oh self defense and martial arts last night and um, school was still like essentially it's school is not on yet uh, it started this week some school started but the summer months are a lot slower at the place I go to to train for martial arts, which means that there's a little bit more one-on-one training, which is great, but it also means that it can be a bit more intense because there's less students. So you can really, you know, like the instructor has you really focusing on something. So it just, you have to be there to, to know what I'm talking about, but it gets more intense. And last night I was teamed up with this older guy. He's a friend of mine and he's very, very, very intense. And he takes this shit really serious, which I think is great. So do I. However, um, <laughs> we, when we put the sparring gear on and, and it's okay, one, one minute of open spar, just go for it. And dude, I, I fucking hate that shit so bad. It's, oh, I hate it. I hate it because he's like twice as good as I am. And he just wants to beat the ever-loving shit out of me. <laughs> and I and I just keep kicking him away from me. And I'm like, quit fucking punching me in the fucking face. Please, for the love of Christ, quit punching me in the face. Oh, get your hands up. Oh, for, so now I got a headache. And it's, <laughs> it's from that. And it's just from, yeah, I shit sleep too because I'm the dentist. Yeah. Oh, yep. That, that'll give me shit sleep for sure. Oh, me too. I, I just, I, like, every time it's a dentist appointment, it's like, well, what are they going to find wrong with my ugly mouth this time? <laughs> well, and, and me, it's about an hour before the uh, appointment, and my heart starts beating. 
And then I go in, and the first thing they do is take your blood pressure. And every time they're like, ooh, that's pretty high. Uh. How are you doing? And I'm like, only when I'm in here, I assume, because I hate being here. I straight up tell them I hate being here. Uh, Because the the one uh, person that cleans my teeth is somebody that I went to school with that I've I've known since kindergarten. Okay, so you're, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with her. And I'll yeah. straight up tell her, ah, you might want to get that checked out. You want to be walking? I, maybe I do have high blood pressure otherwise, but I tell her, no, no, the second I pull into your parking lot, I can feel, like I can feel it. I, I, and it's, 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 I mean, I suppose it's getting better. I'm not sweating as much. That's dropped off. Yeah. Oh, something about people just shoving their fists in your mouth. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. It grosses me out, and it's not because my mouth is that gross. It's just I don't I don't want my hands anywhere near there on anybody. Oh, I know. Just uh, scraping the teeth and oh, it's and then the whenever whenever they they find a little something, they're like, huh? And I'm like, please just say that you're gonna check on it. We'll keep an eye on it for the next time. Yeah. Just, please, just we're gonna keep an eye on that because that means no drills, no numbing, no bullshit like that. Just yeah. So. <laughs> Oh, and today they had to take extra x-rays, which, you know, that, it's like, great, there's an extra whatever hundred dollars. Yay, anyway. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, soccer started. (laughs) Had soccer practice last night. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, just sweating my balls off out there. I, I, anytime it's north of 80, dude, I, I can't handle it, and... It's still 85 degrees. <laughs> and you're it's, coaching, right? Yeah. Yep. <sighs> Mother of God, I hope I never have to do that. Oh. Well, if you got him really drilled into karate, um, That's you're what lucky. I'm, if, for, I'm telling yeah. you, if we had karate, we used to have uh, a Taekwondo downtown. If we had something like that, I'd push for that. But yeah. we don't anymore. So I'd have to drive, God, probably to Worcester. It's yeah, and I've told system. my boys that too. Like, if it's not karate, it's going to be something else. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because they some now they're they're familiar with it enough to where Lucas, especially the oldest one, he like uh, I don't want to go. I'm like, eh? if it's not this, it's going to be something else. And you like the instructors, and you like doing what you're doing when you're there, and it's only this amount of time, and it, and man, the timing is good. And then he okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, that sounds like Holden. Yeah, I was proud of Holden uh, last night. He he hustled uh, on a night where we had a lot of kids that were being statues. He hustled, uh-huh. and me and the other guy that I'm coaching with, we kind of are in a similar kind of mindset of um, you know, oh this kid or well his kids on the team too, and he was just nah, duh, 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 I'm not I don't want to run. I and he made him go sit out. I was oh like, nice, hell yeah, dude. Good. Uh, anyway, so we're we've had three practices now. And I'm each practice, I'm just like, it's Mondays and Thursdays. I'm just like, come on, please, please. I mean, we're at the end of August now. Come on, cool off. Just cool off. I don't need 55 degrees or something, but can we have one at 70, 75 mm. even? But every, <laughs> it seems like every Monday and Thursday, it's 85 degrees. Let's get there at 6, <laughs> 6 p.m. And, uh, and that's after a full day of work. And yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I mean, I get out of the vehicle and I've sweated through my shirt. I don't understand these people. They, I'm out there and I mean, I'm completely sweated through my shirt. I can feel it running down my legs into my shoes and they don't even have little sweat rings in their armpits. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> Whatever. I, yeah. I can't take the heat, dude. No, so get out of the kitchen. Bitch, I ain't uh. even walking by the kitchen. I see the kitchen and I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah. Okay, well, that's that. Uh, you yep. ready for the roulette? 
Yeah, that was a pretty pretty healthy, decent bitch session. Yeah, like not that. bad, not bad. Yeah. I'm Eric. <laughs> and I'm Eugene. And here's the roulette. It's time to spin the wheel of the movie roulette. We dive in the ocean of cinema and try and find those gems in the rough. <laughs> time to spin the wheels of the roulette. Oh, that wasn't right. <laughs> well, we dive into the ocean of... Oh, that wasn't right either. Nope. <laughs> Fail. Double fail. <laughs> Uh, and this week on the roulette, it is Top Not Detective up against St. Agatha, and I'm up first. Uh, top Not Detective. I'm I'm going to try and not spend a lot of time on this one, and we can just move along to the, our... I want to get to the next segment. This is the story of how a failed Japanese samurai series became an instant cult classic. And, you know, the trailer made this look so, so awesome. A documentary about this weird Japanese show where this one lone lunatic was the... Uh, writer, producer, director, and star of this crazy, where he's a samurai and he goes around and tries to solve crimes and then aliens attack him and ninjas and all kinds of just complete insanity. And for the first half of this, I was, this is awesome. Did this really exist? And they're showing people at uh, different comic cons and gatherings where they're talking about how Top Knot Detective was their favorite cult show ever. And it only had one season and it only was like in Australia, even though it was a Japanese show. Uh, and, it's hard to find and they circulate the VHS tapes at certain comic cons and stuff. And I was like, this is amazing. I would love to track this down. So I start trying to find out if this show was real or if this is a mockumentary, a fake documentary. And I can't figure it out. Oh, that's kind of cool. I think Mm, for the first half, but then for the second half, you start realizing, Hmm, this only premiered in Australia. And one of the guys they keep interviewing in this documentary is uh, one of the guys that was the uh, actors, producers, directors of that Australian show that we both watched, the crazy one, where they had Hitler and dinosaurs and all kinds of stuff. Remember oh, that? Oh, yes. Very cool. That was awesome. Yeah, very cool. But they're also involved in this documentary. Oh. So I think this is fake. I could yeah. be wrong. Somebody, if you if you have any concrete evidence, I couldn't, I literally couldn't find anything on the internet to say that this show ever existed. Everything kept coming back to this documentary. I, maybe I just wasn't looking in the, in the right place. I figure I, I figure I'm pretty good at using the internet to just you know tell whether something's true or not. But I couldn't figure it out. And as it kept going and going and and it's only nine a little less than ninety minutes. But at a certain point, I want to know if what I'm watching is fake because if this is just fake and all made up, then I'm sick of hearing all these stories about how crazy this guy was. Because if the shit's all made up. Then you're just making up a story about that something that's not, oh, then he got way too into the hype of himself and he was doing drugs and partying and chicks and, yeah, but if none of this is true, then who cares about what he's fake doing behind the fake scenes? Yeah. uh, So I started to almost get mad at it by the time it was over. And I'm telling you, it started off strong. You might have a different opinion of it. I think you should maybe keep it in the queue, maybe give it a watch. Uh, Because the first half of this, I was was rabidly into it. And then, again, as it went on, I just... (sighs) But if it's not true, then I don't give a shit. And I, I at the end of the day, I, I kind of feel like I think it didn't exist. That I, but I, I could not find anything. So, yeah, it was a big, it was a big red mark to have that guy from that other. Do you remember what that show was called with the Hitler? I movie? don't. But it was so funny. It was brilliant, and that's kind of what this Top Not Detective TV show was. Yeah. It was just zany and insane. Uh, I would bet that that was fake. I mean, if with them involved or whatever, that eh, that 
seems like a big, I don't know. That, I agree. Which, that thing was so great. <laughs> um, maybe. Okay. I am. Okay. T- here we go. The, the main guy of the documentary who played the, yeah, this is fake. It's a, it, there, there, there was no show. Jeez. Does that drop your, yeah, I hear the, yeah, here we go. Do, does that drop your score though? At yeah. That point? Yeah. It makes me not recommend it. I mean, I, uh, you can go give it a shot if you're into that kind of mockumentary thing, but I'm not. Not for 90 minutes. Yeah. You give me a 30 minute of that, I'd be totally happy. But I'm looking at, okay, here's what I'm looking at. The, um, the guy, oh, how do I explain this? Uh, okay. The actor in the documentary that plays the writer, producer, star, whatever of the top not detective fake show. Okay. Uh-huh. The main guy. I went to his IMDb. The, he has some acting credits, three. And not one of them is before 2014. And this is supposedly about a show that was in the 90s. That's yeah, yeah. obviously a mockumentary. Yep, yeah, that's a we're mockumentary. done. It's a mockumentary. Oh, well. Oh, well. But uh, still, maybe you want to check it out sometime. I'll tell you what. You like that show, so maybe it won't irritate you, but it irritated me towards the end. Uh, but, man, they did some really damn funny stuff in it. Okay, top not detective eh, middling review for me. Uh, St. Agatha, sir. St. Agatha from director Darren Lynn Bousman, and you may have uh, seen some of his work with uh, Abattoir and Repo the Genetic Opera, and then um, Saw 2, 3, I think maybe even 4, uh, The Barons. Uh, anyway, I for the most part, I like this director. Um Okay, here we go. Let's just review this thing. In 1950s, small-town Georgia, a pregnant woman named Agatha seeks refuge in a convent. Well, that's not exactly true. Her name is not Agatha. Uh, it's something else. But basically, this is a evil nun or like sadistic nun type movie. I get where Darren Lynn was going with this or what he was trying to accomplish. There is a, a whole bunch of these... Sadistic nun type movies uh, from the seventies. This is this was kind of a subgenre type thing. Uh, the Devils with, uh, which is probably that's the pinnacle with. Um, that's a Ken Russell movie starring. Damn it! Uh, great actor drank copious amounts of alcohol. Gladiator. Anyway, that guy. I'm sorry, you were breaking up there for a minute on Skype. Sorry. Um. Damn it, what's his name? Anyway, uh, they're going for that. However, this is almost more of a drama. Like, it's not horror to me, uh, but much more a drama with just really mean people doing not, like, just mean things to these pregnant women in this big house uh, under the guise of they're being, they're nuns, and so you must abide by our rules, and they... They convince them that they, they're forced to stay there and they've got kind of the town in on the deal here too. And I'm going to spoil the movie. Um, so spoilers, basically the, the mother superior lady, she's finding these homeless women and take, that are pregnant, taking them in and then basically not brainwashing them, but making them slaves in this house so that they could have their children. They could have their, you know, give birth. And then those kids go to townsfolk who, uh, are donating money, whatever, to keep this place running and whatever. So it's this big money, money thing, whatever. And, uh, but it's not horror. Um, and the, 
here's the thing. The acting was very good. The production values were theater quality. Like, it was a legit, well-shot movie. Uh, hour and 43 minutes, it's far too long for the amount of punishment that these pregnant women take for the entire runtime. Um, which, it's effective, I guess, in making you hate these nun ladies, but it's... Uh, it's almost like the Game of Thrones type thing where it's like, give me, throw me a bone here, please. I'm tired of just nothing but oppression for these women. Like, give me some sort of a release here. Like, even just sporadically throughout the movie. And instead, it's just, uh, like, oh, you tried to escape, so I'm going to cut, I'm going to cut your tongue out, or I'm going to put you in a coffin for a couple days. It's just, uh, I, I like, I love exploits. But I'm not hearing flat out Netflix trash hate. No, and it's not. Well, that's because it's very competently made, well acted. Um, I like the storyline for what it is. It's just it's just too damn long for the amount of uh, just physical and emotional uh, torture that they go through. Right. And it's not really horror. It's more drama to me. And I was going and thinking, oh, this is going to be a kind of a new type of exploitation nun type thing. That's what I was hoping for, but I got this mean spirit. Basically, it's just a really Really mean spirited drama, um, yeah. So I, I'm not going to give it a. Ah, it's just kind of middle of the road. I would never watch it again. But technical merits are really good. Acting really good. Storyline is fine for what it is. But it's just not. It's not something that I gravitate towards. I would much more go for. I don't. Hey, I, I wish it would have been more trashy. Yeah, I got that. Would have. Yeah, it would have just. I don't know. Made it better and just it just throughout the movie. If they would have just thrown me a little bit of. Just, I don't know, just hope. something. A little hope, bit of yes. hope. Yes, but instead it's just, ugh. So, anyway, there's my, I know it's kind of a ho-hum. I'm not sure where I fall on it, but I am very middle of the road, one and done. Okay. Uh, let's get on to the next round. Coming your way, Beirut, Hour 49, Hoopla. Caught in the crossfires of civil war, CIA operatives must send a former U.S. diplomat to negotiate for the life of a friend he left behind, starring John Hamm, Rosamund Pike, and Dean Norris. Uh, next up, They Remain, Hour 40, Canopy. This one sounds real good. Two scientists who share a romantic history are tasked with the investigating uh, unnatural animal behavior on the site of a Manson family-style cult's compound. Yeah. Damn, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, and lastly, Knife Plus Heart. Paris, summer 1979. Anne produces third-rate gay pornography after her editor and lover, Lois, leaves her. She tries to win her back by shooting her most ambitious film yet with her trusted flaming sidekick, Archibald. I'm not adding these words in. This was the actual description on Canopy. But one of her actors is brutally murdered, and Anne gets caught up in the strange investigation that turns her life upside down. Shot on 35mm, featuring a killer retro score from M83. Oh, nice. Uh, I like them. Knife Plus Heart is an ultra-stylish and blood-soaked ode to the 70s era De Palma, Argento, and Friedkin. There you go. Okay, and coming your way, first up is Naruto. Or, I'm sorry. First up is Naruto from 2016. Uh, directed by Pablo Lorraine. Uh, an inspector hunts down Nobel Prize-winning Chilean poet Pablo Neruda, who becomes a fugitive in his home country in the late 1940s for joining the Communist Party. The trailer looks really, really good. 
I think that movie looks really good. This one here, the next one I have actually seen, and I really want you to watch it sometime because it is great. Krisha from 2015 from director Trey Edward Schultz. He also directed It Comes at Night. Uh, Krisha returns for Thanksgiving dinner after 10 years away from her family, but past demons threaten to ruin the festivities. This is fantastic. I love this movie. It is so uncomfortable and it's so well shot and it's great. It's, I, I, sometime I want to hear your opinion on that movie. Okay. And last but not least, Under the Silver Lake, uh, Two hours and 19 minutes, David Robert Mitchell directed this movie. Sam, a disenchanted young man, finds a mysterious woman swimming in his apartment's pool one night. The next morning she disappears. Sam sets off across L.A. to find her, and along the way he he uncovers a conspiracy far more bizarre. Starring Andrew Garfield. There you go. Nice. So, there. Uh, I... I went with what I thought was safe last week, and I'm going to go out a little bit on a limb with Under the Silver Lake. I've heard some weird reviews about that movie, and I kind of want to check it out. Plus, the trailer is really cool. Keep throwing me that Krisha, though. I, I'll, I'll take it eventually, but I watched, like, the first ten minutes of that movie and was like, oh my god. This I, I ugh, this looks heavy and depressing. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Confirmed. <laughs> Under the Silver Lake for me. Okay, and for me, um, that actually, that, uh, that second one, that horror movie, that sounds really good, but you had me at, well, I was gonna say you had me at Argento, but I guess you had me at Gay Porn! <laughs> <laughs> I figured I did. Yep, knife plus heart, it is. Interesting, we're both kind of taking high art, artsy, art, arty arts films. Yeah. <laughs> Which so, both could, both could backfire, trust me, it's... <laughs> well, considering how lowbrow we took last time... <laughs> yeah, yes. That's the way we bounce around. Okay, next yep. time on the roulette will be Under the Silver Lake and Knife Plus Heart. Okay, are you ready to move on to our second segment? Yes. I'm going to let you intro this one since you came up with it. Okay, so another top ten for the movie freaks here, and I thought, uh, I went through some different scenarios, and like, like, oh, this would be good to maybe, like, the best actor of this genre or blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, uh, we've kind of done that. And I'm like, what's something different? I'm like, I know. And this is especially because I'm not as keen on these types of movies, which would, I'm like, this is going to make us kind of work a little bit harder, but top 10 black and white movies. And I opened the floodgates as far as it does not matter what year. It could literally be this year or 1920s, whatever. Uh, but any movie that is in black and white, is fair game for our favorites, our personal favorites. So there, there yeah. you go. That's and just to reiterate what you've already said, we're not huge fans of classic cinema. So in that area of cinema is mostly a blind spot. I mean, we've only watched a little bit, uh, as compared to most critics who have just bathed in that stuff. Uh, Agreed. But that being said, I do have some pretty classic stuff on here. Uh, as I started putting my list together, I, was, I, I told you, I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I started putting my list together, and I <laughs> I was like, how in the hell am I going to make a top ten of this? Because this is clearly better than this, but I want to shout out that, and I'd rather yeah. have this on the list. And this is a great film, but it's a one and done. Uh, so I started highlighting things on my list, and what I started doing was going, oh, I got an idea. I'll go for genre. So I'm going to grab a horror, I'm going to grab a comedy, I'm going to grab a action, I'm going to grab a this, so that, you know, try and, oh, get a, try, try and get at least one of every genre kind of in there. So take it with a grain, my 10 to 1. 
it's loosely a 10 to 1. As far as, this is so much better than this movie, because there are movies listed higher on here that are not as good as others. Just simply, I would watch them more often, so that's why it got bumped up the list a little bit further. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, number 10 for me is The Elephant Man. Uh, mm. David Lynch, I believe, directed this film. Yeah, I and never saw it. It's a great film with great performances by... Oh, shoot. Was it Pacino or De Niro that was The Elephant Man? Oh, man, I'm not... I, I don't wanna know. Say, I want to say De Niro. I could be wrong. I might look it up. Uh, but also Sir Anthony Hopkins. It is a fantastic film, and it's it's just kind of a devastating film, and it's one of the most straightforward films that uh, that Lynch has ever made. Obviously, it's just a... Even Dune is a straightforward film compared to his other works, you know? Yeah. But for being made in 1980, it sure looks and feels like it was made in the 1950s. Uh, starring Anthony Hopkins. John Hurt. My bad. John Hurt. One? Yeah. John Hurt and Bancroft. Oh, man. It's it's a gut-wrenching film, but it's an amazing film. And uh, that was kind of one of my... Oh, drama. You're going on the list. Cool. Number 10 for you. 10 for me is Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Uh, I've seen this movie several times, and I think that I admire it more than I like it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a really, really good movie, but it's, it's created so many copycats. And in fact, I, I kind of consider this to be, you know, almost the birth of the slasher movie. So this is kind of one of those proto slashers. And it's just, it doesn't hold the pack the punch that so many other movies do. However, I appreciate what this movie is. The score is great. The acting, especially from uh, Anthony Perkins, is really, really good. Janet Leigh is... Uh, that, that's another thing that I really liked about the movie is our heroine, or so we think, is dispatched halfway through the movie. And that was pretty surprising. I remember the first time I saw this movie, I'm like, oh, okay. I guess she's not the main star. Okay. Mm. I thought that was really cool. But uh, anyway, Psycho, and I'm the horror guy, so I've got some more horror stuff here, but Psycho is... I can guess at a few that are coming. Yep. (laughs) Back to you. Uh, Number nine is one of my horror films on the list, uh, from 1959, starring Vincent Price, House on Haunted Hill. And Mm. while we both like the remake... I went and watched the original just because, eh, I'm sure this will be cheesy and I'm kind of tired and just something to throw on while taking a nap. And I stayed awake through the whole thing because this is a pretty damn creepy movie. I mean, granted, the, you know, the older horror movies like that don't, don't creep you out as much as the ones that we grew up with. But for 1959, it has a couple of real effective jump scares in it and creep factor is there. It still works for me. I've actually watched it more than once. It's a damn good movie. House on Haunted Hill. Cool. Yeah, actually, that's I, I watched it once, and I was surprised at how much I liked it. At, at first, I'm like, this is going to be total mystery science theater oh, type me movie. Too. But, but no, that was that was good. I do. I think I like the uh, the 1999 remake better. Mm-hmm. But you know, me too. Still, but it still movie. creeped me out. Yeah. Um, okay. So next up for me is 2009's Polytechnique. This is the director Denis Villeneuve's. I'm not sure if it's his first movie, but it's one of his first movie drama. Did, did I talk about this on the show? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, this is such a great movie. Uh, this is about, a, it's a true story about a, uh, a, uh, not school shooting, but it's, well, yeah, it's a school shooting, um, in Montreal in 1989. And it's, it is, um, man, it's a rough watch, but it is so well made. And I, something about that black and white just, 
I'm glad it was in black and white. For some reason, it made it even more unsettling. And uh, I every now and then I still think about that movie and how impactful that thing was, especially knowing that that, is, that was real. That ha- actually happened. So number nine for me is Polytechnic. I do think that you should watch it sometime because you are a fan of that director as well. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, this is one where I believe I said it on the show before, is watching this movie. This was made in uh, 2009. And you can already tell that there's a there's a good director making this Man, thing. The amount of movies he's made in a decade. I know. Oh, I mean, he Lord. just pumps them out, and they're all good. And this here, you can just you're like, okay, there's talent behind the camera on this thing, and it very much shows. And now look at him. The guy's doing Dune remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight for me is, I mean, maybe it's kind of a boring pick, but I don't give a shit. It absolutely belongs on any list of black and white, and that is from 1942, Casablanca. And I don't believe you've seen this film. Nope. You and Joni absolutely should watch this movie. I think that you will completely appreciate it, even if it's not totally up your alley. Drama, romance, war. The script is so tight. The acting is so on point with Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman. And the black and white just explodes off the screen. Granted, most of it is set in one location, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of knocked it down a little bit, is I've got other black and white movies here where they're over here, they're in this location, that location, outside, inside, whatever, and this one is very localized into a couple of sets, it feels like. But it is, it moves so fast at an hour 40 that... And and it's it's such a good story, and the dialogue is so rapid fast. Obviously, it's too fast it nobody is that quick-witted uh-huh. but, but uh but what they're saying is so good and so funny and so relevant that you don't care you're just like this is this is enjoyable uh also kind of sad topics that they're talking about so that's another reason that it's slid down a little bit is because i'm not watching that every week because it's the happy feel good movie of the year but it is a, a testament to how beautiful black and white can be and it is it's a fantastic script. You should, you guys should definitely check it out sometime. I'm sure there's some Blu-ray out there or 4K mm-hmm. something. Yeah, I'm telling you, I think it would be pretty well worth it. And if it, if you don't care for it, you could probably sell it. Yeah. Now you you said that it's only an hour and forty some minutes. That's, Man, I thought that movie's like three and a half. I thought that was like a marathon movie. No. It, well, I mean, that's what IMDb says. Hour forty two. Oh. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't remember it being that long. I've only watched it once, maybe. I've got it on VHS here somewhere, uh, but I might have packed it away. Okay, uh, number eight. Um, no list of best movies uh, would be complete without a movie from Stanley, Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick. And uh, there was literally three for me to pick from, so I went with the one that I remember the most and, uh, and liked the most, and that was 1959... 50s, that was 1957's Paths of Glory, starring Kirk Douglas. This is a World War I movie. After refusing to attack an enemy position, General accuses the soldiers of cowardice and their commanding officer must defend them. It is... Have you seen this movie? Yeah, yeah, I borrowed your uh, Blu-ray of it. Okay, it's uh, it's heavy, heavy stuff, but it is so good. Uh, I, I still remember the first time I watched it, Kirk Douglas was walking through the trenches, uh, and it was just, something about that scene was so Stanley Kubrick, and just... Kirk Douglas was just, you could just tell that guy's in charge. He just commands, he commands respect. It's so good. So good. The battle scenes, while obviously not huge and bombastic or whatever, are very well done. 
just a very, very good movie. But it was between this, The Killing, and of course, Dr. Strangelove. And I think of those three, I think Paths of Glory was my favorite for black and white movie from him. I agree. Uh, and I, I would have pegged that as being on your list. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Number seven for me is 12 Angry Men. Have you ever seen this film? Not uh, ever. An- nope. Another checklist for you and the wife. This is a fantastic film. It's uh, a jury holdout attempts to prevent a miscarriage of justice by forcing his colleagues to reconsider the evidence. Directed by Sidney Lumet, starring Henry Fonda, who just passed away. Rest oh, in I peace. know. Yeah. I, this film is unbelievable. And it's one of those movies that, you know, that I love movies that are probably based on plays, or you can tell this was probably a play. The vast majority of this movie is set in uh, uh, a jury room. And a little bit in the courtroom, a little bit outside, but mostly in a jury room where 12 men on a hot, hot summer day are trying to debate the uh, innocence or guilt of a a black kid in a uh, stabbing, I believe. And it is just absolutely fantastic. The twists and turns, and it totally plays like a play, and it's, yeah, 90 minutes in and out. And it is it is so damn good. Uh, I've had this recommended to me by everybody, and then I would turn her. I finally got around to watching it, and it was like, holy shit, then I became one of those people that uh, I recommend it to everybody. Have you seen this movie? No, go see this movie. I recommended it to John. He went and tracked it down somewhere and texted me later. was like, holy shit, that was great. Uh, it's one. Of, it's a total checklist of cinema. You have to see this movie at least once. Which I actually just checked. It's on Amazon Prime, so I added it to my watch list, and um, I might actually, maybe, I might watch that tonight with the with the wife that sounds really good. I don't. I'm not even sure if I ever even knew what the story or the plot was. It's. I don't want to call it a lawyer movie because there aren't any. There lawyers aren't barely involved. This is just the jury in their back room deliberating, and how one guy can turn around a whole room, and you can see how uh, uh, justice can swing so quickly, or how one person's version of a story can can just completely twist everybody and how the environment you're in a hot summer day when the fans aren't working and lunch is late and people are pissed and it's life or death and so oh it's at first i mean for maybe a third of the movie i'm like what am i watching come on let's go but by the time the movie was over i was like damn that was good and would make a great play if you have uh, good enough actors to pull it off yeah number seven Okay, seven for me is, and this this one here, I have a feeling, will be on your list too. I could be wrong, but I maybe. Uh, this is my favorite black and white comedy, and that would be Young Frankenstein from 1974, directed by, of course, Mel Brooks, starring Gene Wilder. I, this movie is fantastic. Uh, my only gripe with this movie is I think the first half of the movie is actually funnier than the second half. Most of the really big belly laughs are in the begin or the first. Part, you know, Abby Normal, ha ha. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, the whole movie is great. It's fantastic. It's so, it's so funny. Um, yeah. Uh, Frankenstein. Or yeah. Steen, whatever he said. And they got the guy with the, the Nazi type guy with the arm thing. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. The movie is great. Uh-huh. Uh, number six for me is Schindler's List. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> equally great to young Frank. No, I'm not going to do anything about that. Uh, obviously this has to be on the list, but obviously it's going to slide down because, Hey, grab the popcorn. Let's watch Schindler's list. 
Uh, I know there's a little bit of color in there, but I'm not going to hold it against the... Uh, that still is a black and white film, in my opinion. And, and Spielberg used it to full advantage. He, it pops off the screen. It's one of the greatest films of all time. It's a devastating film. Nothing more, I think, I need to say about Schindler's List. Yeah. Okay, um, number six for me is 2005's Sin City from directors Frank Miller and Robert Rodriguez. Uh, I love this movie. I think it's fantastic, and what elevates it is obviously the black and white. I think that plays a huge part in the movie. I don't... I hate to say that I don't think the movie would be as good if it would be in color, but I honestly don't think this movie would be as good if it would be just shot regular. Just the the inventiveness that... Huh. Is that a word? The inventiveness? Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's fine. Just how 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 Rodriguez kind of every now and then will throw in something unique. It's, it's black and white, but it's... It's like it's like a living comic book. It's like yeah, it Frank is. Miller's books. They're, they're, it, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's so great. And was I believe that there was um, Nick Nick Stahl's character was his face was yellow, correct? Yeah. Okay. Because yes, I, I knew that. But his they had to do him in like green or something because that that way the camera would pick it up as yellow. Yeah. Uh, they, they had to do some trick if you watch the behind the scenes. That was how do you how in the hell do you figure that yeah. out? <laughs> and on top of that, the, the cast is is so good. There's so many recognizable people in this movie, especially Jessica Alba, which was like the highlight of the movie for me. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's great. I love that movie. I love it. Uh, even the sequel, which wasn't as good, was still watchable. Yep, I agree. Uh, number five for me is my comedy film, which, haha, way to put a comedy above Schindler's List. That's great, <laughs> but I'm likely to watch this movie ten times in a row before I watch Schindler's List again. <laughs> Uh, and that's why I just pegged it up a little bit. Like I said at the beginning, don't hold this against me as this movie is definitively better yeah. than Schindler's List. It's not. It's actually, you could objectively say the maker of this film would tell you there is no way in hell that it, this ever deserves to be above Schindler's List in any list. But for me, Clerks is. <laughs> oh! No. It's fucking hilarious. And it was a big part of my coming up uh, in cinemas, uh, uh, education and stuff and I, I i adore that film and uh like i said i'm gonna watch it way more than i'm gonna watch schindler's list i have so there you go i actually forgot about that one i assumed I, so yeah um so i suppose that would probably be on honorable mention of course i've got honorable oh, mentions. Yeah. Yep, yep. i got a list uh, so next up for me number five is now I, there's a good chance that this one here might even climb up higher on my list uh, given what, another couple viewings, but I've only watched it once, and so therefore it's, that's, this is where it falls on my first viewing, and that is 1954's Seven Samurai from Akira Kurosawa. I uh, I want to pick just one of his movies, and Seven Samurai is the one that, now that about a year has passed since I've seen a lot of his classic movies, that's the one that stuck with me the most, although... Hidden Fortress was fantastic. I mean, yeah, we've, we've yeah, we did delved that into that. Yeah, But um, it's great. And at three hours and 27 minutes, I was never bored. It, it's a fantastic movie. And it's a very influential movie. And like, what, I want to say, it wasn't Star Wars, right? I, why, why am I thinking Star Wars? Uh, uh, Hidden George? Fortress was the one that's... Oh, that's the one. That's the one, yeah. But uh, anyway, it's 
what I don't know what more needs to be said about Seven Samurai. It's fantastic. The, the end battle in the rain is, I, I don't know how they did it uh, without literally murdering people or horses. Or it's crazy. <laughs> oh, just after I mean, like fifteen, twenty years, I've been trying to get you to watch that film, and to hear you just talk about it in any sort of positive light, just, <laughs> I'm so happy. Uh, number four for me is Metropolis. Have you ever seen Metropolis? Never seen it. You saw the anime version. Yes, I did, which yes. is great. Which is great. I finally got around to watching the uh, German version, a silent film, which it's mostly up on this list for technical merit and for being that old and for the amount of, of what is on the screen and the sets and the way that they did things. It's like, this came out at a time when you didn't do sound. That's messed up and mm-hmm. amazing and mind-blowing and... It's it's really long, and it's not one that I'm going to watch often, but it's a checklist film, absolutely. Uh, but what uh, there's things on that screen that I don't, I honestly don't know how they did it, and just beautiful, beautiful. I mean, this is the basis of uh, science fiction cinema. So I, I, it it fell up the list for me as I was putting this together. Cool. Five now minutes. that one there is that from the 20s. I That's an say old so. movie. Yeah. Wow. Yep. wow. Fritz Lang, German film. Yeah. Check it out sometime. Okay. Cool. Okay. Um, number four for me is Roman Polanski's Repulsion from 1965. I have the Criterion Blu-ray. I've watched it several times and it is so effective. Uh, this is, it's not body horror, but it, uh, it's just, it's so uncomfortable and it's so well made. Like, it's like Roman Polanski as like top of his game with this one. In fact, I would dare say, I think this might be my favorite movie from Roman Polanski. Uh, um, real quick here on IMDb. A sex, repul- a, a sex repulsed woman who disapproves of her sister's boyfriend sinks into depression and has horrific visions of rape and violence. And it is, it is for 1965, it is very much a uncomfortable horror movie. And it's just genuinely creepy and unsettling. Much like Rosemary's Baby, but I think even more so. It's great Great movie, and the the Criterion Blu-ray is phenomenal. I'll take the Ninth Gate. Thank you. I know that's it's it's, <laughs> it's almost splitting hairs. I love the Ninth Gate. They're all like Rosemary's Baby, Repulsion, Ninth Gate are all three kind of all Just floating. Dep- or depends what day we catch you on. That kind yeah, of thing. exactly. Uh, now for number three for me, I should be if you're a good cinema boy, I should be able to tell you the year, and you should be able to guess the movie. Nineteen thirty-three. Okay. Gone with the Wind? Oh, God, that's not even black and white. And I've never seen it. Gross. Um, 1933? I mean, what what in the world could be 1933 that you... Ugh. <laughs> King Kong, bitch. Or, or that. Or that. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, having not been born in 1933, uh, did not see that film until after Peter Jackson's movie came out. I'd already seen clips of it uh, here and there, but... Peter Jackson's remake came out, and I watched that, and I was like, wait, this couldn't have been stuff in the... Like, he added tons of stuff to this, right? Because, I mean, there's giant insects and dinosaurs and fighting spiders and all kinds of... Nah. And then I got this beautiful tin box set of uh, King Kong and Son of Kong. There's like four or five movies in it and a newly remastered DVD of of, uh, 1933 King Kong. And I sat down and watched it. Wow. Wow. Jackson's version was pretty damn faithful because Kong is fighting dinosaurs and spiders and most of it's on Skull Island before they go to New York and 
It's all done with these tiny little stop-motion puppets and intermingled with, you know, it was... My mind was blown, and I only watched that movie for the first time within the last, oh, I want to say 10, 15 years, I guess. Mm. Uh, my mind was blown. I, this is amazing and worthy of all the praise that is heaped upon it as far as changing things in cinema for science fiction, horror, uh, drama, romance, everything. It really, you could see that as a hallmark for changing all of those things. So it was pretty easy for King Kong to go up there for black and white. It's an amazing film. Cool. I, you know, I should. I have no excuse for not having seen that yet because I've seen everything else King Kong. I saw the 1970s version. I've pretty much seen everything there is to see about King Kong except that. I have never watched the original probably just because 1933. Bleh, I know. understand, but it is. I, I was amazed by the technicals of it. I really was. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'll have to. Check I mean, that think out about too. it. These, that movie was made. A good two decades before our parents were born. Damn. I mean, roll that around a bit. So when yeah. you're, I, I have that, I, like, I like to be in the mindset of where things were uh, when the movie was made. Well, where, what were cars like then? Well, 1933. <laughs> yeah. You probably still have a good chunk of the population that were posting dank memes on Facebook about, ha ha, your car ran, your horseless carriage ran out of gas and I had to pull it with my horse, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Not unlike today, where people yeah. are going, yeah, look at that, mm-hmm. they got to charge their electric car with a, a diesel engine, <laughs> idiot. Yeah, here, buy our, buy our Trump hats. Yeah, there you go. Uh, number three for you. Uh, three for me, this is where it got really difficult, uh, because the top three, the, it, again, actually, I, I must say the top four, including Repulsion, I, well, okay, boom, I know that those are going to be on the top 10 list. And then the rest, I, you know, like, okay, where do these fall? What do I think? But these, the top four were easy. It's just the, where do they fall? And much like you, I kind of have to go a little bit more with rewatchability. So that's why Schindler's list falls to number three. Although technically I think of all of my movies on my top 10 list here, uh, Schindler's List is number one. Well, shit, I don't know. Seven Samurai. <laughs> yeah, they're um, tens. I mean, so yeah. yeah. And Schindler's List, it is a ten, and I've seen it twice in my life. Uh, and it is, I remember pretty much everything about the movie because it's it's unforgettable and it's so incredibly well made and so devastating. Um, I I don't know what more can be said. That movie there is, is one of those movies that it. I've only watched it a couple times, but I can guarantee every single time I watch that movie, I will be reduced to a complete weeping mess by the end when Schindler gets his, you know, when they all thank Schindler for saving their lives. I No, no, no. That's, that's, see, see, for me, that's when I get choked up and I might do the single tear. But then at the very, very end, when it goes oh, to color yeah. and you have the survivors placing the stone on Schindler's, I'm done. I'm, I can hear yeah. the music. And again, I've only, like you, maybe seen it twice. And I can yeah. hear the music. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Even talking about Schindler's List is just like, ugh. It's just, ugh. But it's yeah. great. It's a great movie. It's. It, it, I think that's amazing that a movie made, what that was in the 90s, if I'm not, I'm, yeah, yeah, it was made in the 90s. And how that is on probably a lot of top 10 best black and white movies ever. And we're talking about a movie that was made in the 90s. I think that's very, very cool. Yeah, I agree. Uh, number two for me, and I tried so, so damn hard to keep them off or down the list or off the list, but I just couldn't. This has been over it a million times. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Number two for me is Hidden Fortress. 
Uh, this movie is amazing in every way. Action, adventure, romance, um, uh, camera work, lighting, uh, mystery, intrigue, acting, Hidden Fortress. Uh, back to you. There's nothing else to say about it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I, it's fantastic. And I, I, I'm like, well, which movie is Akira Kurosawa going to, what, what movie from him is going to be on my top 10? I'm surprised well, that Seven Samurai won out, actually. Well, I and I think when I watched them all like a year ago, I the the more horror esque one really stuck out at the time. What was that one again? Throne of Blood. Yes, Throne. I, oh, that was such such a good movie. But then I kind of liked the, a little bit more of the lightheartedness of Hidden Fortress. But then I don't know something about the epic feel of Seven, Seven Samurai won out this time. Um, yeah, anyway, and it's going to win out next, next time you go on a bender of them. I can't wait to see what wins up. Yeah. Um, okay, number two for me is, uh, these. this is easy, uh, Night of the Living Dead was uh, number two for me, George Romero. Uh, now we're getting into movies that everybody has heard about, everybody knows what they're about, uh, all that, uh, they've seen them. But this is a Lightning in a Bottle. I consider this movie to be Lightning in a Bottle because it's super low budget. It's shot full screen, you know, uh, Full screen 1.66 aspect ratio, very low budget, yet it's so, ah, something about it, something about the music, something about the cheapness of it makes it really scary. It's still scary. The black and white especially makes the movie, I'm like, I'm, I've seen the colorized version and meh, whatever, but this movie, it, it's, this movie is elevated because of the black and white. The, um, I don't know what else to say about it. It's great. And I love the fact that our hero, the main hero of the movie is a black man. And this is a black man in 1960s, which was, I think, very, a very wise choice from George Romero. And I don't think that he picked, I don't think he picked Dwayne Jones because he was a black man. I think he picked him because he was just a, a really good actor. And he is, he is the best actor in the movie. Uh, but. Well, whether it was because of his acting or not, that was a dangerous decision oh, to make at that very, time and yeah. i applaud him either way I, yeah. i'm sure that it played a factor into it as far as well, well he, think he's, so. he's a great actor but you know he, the, uh, uh romero has a, always been a subversive character that he's always wanted to upend the apple cart of whatever society is doing and i applaud him for that i don't say that as yeah. a negative I, I think that's great it's ballsy for him to do that at very, that time and yeah. i love it i applaud the yeah. choice wholeheartedly yeah, I agree. I agree. The ending, the ending is still haunting. And I think that Tom Savini did that, this movie justice by his 1990 remake, especially the end. Um, this is iconic. It's, it's, it's iconic. There you go. Number one for me is uh, Seven Samurai. Because <laughs> I it's, figured. it's the greatest movie ever. Uh, uh, what was lacking from Hidden Fortress? All those things that I listed. I mean, it has all those things, but what does Seven Samurai have a, more that I would bump it up just above that? Uh, some epic battle scenes. It has less whining from the two characters in Hidden Fortress. There's plenty of whining in it, but it's from people that are starving, so it has weight and drama. It, 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 it adds to it. I, I think about that scene where the guy is picking up the pieces of rice that got spilled or stolen. Mm -hmm. I think about that scene on nearly a weekly basis. Uh, it's so effective of portraying people that are starving and hungry. Uh, what's the other thing? Hidden Fortress? I don't think there's any place in Hidden Fortress where I'm drawn to tears. Whereas in Seven Samurai, there's a couple of places where I am drawn to tears. Um, 
it's a fucking great movie. And I love it. I can't. I I can't wait to get. I got to get a Blu-ray copy because la- this last time my DVD copy was not up to snuff. And it, I think my uh, Criterion copy. I think it has number seven on the column. That's it, old school. There. That's now. old school. <laughs> I'm, I'm when I when I bought that DVD, I bought it from Best Buy. I think I paid twenty or thirty bucks for it, Whew. and I did not have a sound system at the time. I don't believe. I think I was still running my. $300 DVD player through my stereo. I had a stereo with an auxiliary that I could plug something in. So I had a round sound. Yeah. <laughs> That's how far back me and that DVD go. I would say that that was one of the first, oh, 50 DVDs probably that I ever bought. Uh, so, yeah, my love affair with that film has not ended. And I almost got a little nervous when you were going on your bender of, of these movies and I, I decided to rewatch them as well. And... I, I almost got a little nervous. Like, is this is this shit gonna hold up? Am I still gonna feel his passion? Oh, oh, oh it reignited the passion. It was like, yeah. I love this shit. And I honestly, Eugene, I don't give a damn what Kurosawa film you like best, as long as you like it, like them. I don't. I, pff, yeah. Doesn't matter. I've liked them all. Uh, Yojimbo yeah. was the weakest one of the bunch, uh, and I it was still very very watchable. But that was the the least of his that I saw. But oh, these are masterpieces. You can just tell. Number one for you. Okay, number one for me. Do you have any? Oh, by the way, um, I n- now that you said that you know the whole DVD thing with uh, Seven Samurai, I actually, uh, I actually still own my. Uh, I think it was the very first DVD that I ever bought, and that was number ten on my list. Psycho. Really? Oh, oh and I paid like twenty some dollars for that thing. <laughs> oh, I still have the first DVD that I got. All, all like three of them, because I got one with the player. It was Batman and Robin. <laughs> well, did you get Matilda or something like that too? Or uh, that was the mail away thing. You send in the yeah, card. Yeah, so I remember and you get that. Some, yeah, I, uh, and I still have that. And it's in it's in a CD gel, uh-huh. gel case. Um, I bought Fear and Loathing, and oh, I think there was one more. I can't remember now. Anyway, yeah, I still have those. Yeah. I can't get rid of them because they were the first ones I got. I, you know. Yeah, me too. It's like oh, I can't get rid of. That Batman it's... and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number one for me. Do you have any any guesses what number one would be? Uh, if it's not Night of the Living Dead, um, w- wait a minute. It's a uh, oh, it's from the sixties, I think. Oh, Mario Bava. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Good guess. Black Sunday. Yeah, from that's 1960. it. That's it. <laughs> Very impressive. This is yeah. It, it, it was literally between, well, yeah, it was between Schindler, Night of the Living Dead, and Black Sunday for for number one. And rewatchability, I think that I choose Black Sunday even more than Night of the Living Dead uh, because it's more my flavor of horror. It's that gothic, evil. European. Uh, European. European very, and it is so European and so influential in so many movies. And it's, for 1960, incredibly violent and mean-spirited. Uh, the atmosphere, this is another movie that it wouldn't be near as effective if it would have been shot in color, but that black and white gives it this almost otherworldly, and you know what, this goes back to Kira Kurosawa's stuff, it's some something about the black and, black and white in certain movies gives it an almost otherworldly feel, uh, Throne of Blood especially, uh, but same with Black Sunday, it just feels like I don't know, this alternate reality thing where witches are real and you know, all of this stuff is, it's just real, but Haunting, extremely well made, uh, like I said, very, very violent for its time, and it's still, man, when she gets the, um, 
that mask in the beginning put on her face, uh, the gorgeous Barbara Steele, and then they take this big mountain just like slam it into her. Oh, just it's so brutal and like oh man, that's hardcore. But um, anyway, there you go. And then of course Black Sabbath, uh, which is in color, but it came in a couple of years later, whatever, is where Black Sabbath got their name, which I think is very cool that nice. one of the most influential rock bands of all time got their name from a Mario Bava movie. Yep, that's cool. I honestly thought about uh, making a list and putting it in an envelope and then at the end of this game showing you a sealed envelope, opening it up and saying this is what Eugene has on his list. And I'm not, I'm not, I promise I'm not lying. This is what it would have said. It would have said Psycho, not in any order, but Psycho, yeah. Paths of Glory, Sin City, a Kurosawa film, Schindler's List, Black Sunday. <laughs> That's what it, it would have said that, I guarantee. Oh, nice. But not Night of the Living Dead? I'm surprised Night of the Living Dead wouldn't have been on there. I'm ashamed to admit it, but it slipped my radar. I forgot Ooh. all about it. That's bad, but I, I sketched <laughs> it down here in honorable mentions. It probably wouldn't have made the it might have made the list, but I probably would, again, there's one that I know you would have talked about, so I wanted to give House on Haunted Hill a little love. Yeah. Um, honorable mentions. For me, the reason I didn't pipe up when you were talking about some of these is because they were on my honorable mentions, sir. Uh, Psycho, Sin City, Young Frankenstein, <laughs> yeah, Dracula, uh-huh. Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price. Man, I need to watch that. I've never seen that movie. Good movie, good movie. Throne of Blood, Night of the Living Dead, Lahane. Lahane almost made my list, yeah. man. That was, oh, it was good. Uh, good Night and Good Luck. If ever there is a, uh, there's ever a film you want to watch at this political climate, my friend, go watch that one. Uh, oh, you'll like that movie. It's, it's a damn good movie and shot, the black and white is shot so well and the performances are so good and it just, mm, no, I'm not going to get political. Um, Ah. over to you, honorable mentions. Honorable mentions for me is, um, hold on here. I want to, I want to just. This okay. 1990s Begotten. This almost made my top 10. This is from director. Go away, IMDb. There we go. Uh, Elias Merhage. Anyway, um, this is um, basically this is a black and white hour and 12 minute Marilyn Manson video. It's so it's so evil and so crazy. It's just hey, it's. It's too extreme for my top. Like I'm like I I watched it once and I don't know if I'd ever watch it again. But it is like it's something that you would expect if you're if you're in hell for eternity. This seems like something that would be just be playing on repeat for all of eternity. It just oh, it's so evil. See that we have totally different versions of hell. And my version of hell, it'll be uh, Old Town Road on a loop. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, it's Begotten on a loop. <laughs> It's not actually going to be Satan-y things. It's going to be things yeah. that just annoy you. Yeah. <laughs> Old MacDonald had a farmy for Over. a billion years. Oh, yeah. Okay, next up is American Guinea Pig, Bloodshock. Uh, <laughs> once again, it's not something that... I've watched it once and uh, reviewed it on the show. and I think it's a great movie. It's very effective. It's extremely violent and gory and... Ugh. Uh, but again, it's like, uh, I, it's not top 10 quality, but it's really good. Uh, Dr. Strangelove, of course, is on there. Uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man. I think oh, that is... fuck me. <laughs> I was like, I was waiting for you to at least oh. have an honorable mention on that one. 
<laughs> okay, my number three is Tetsuo the Iron Man. No, seriously, that would have made my top three. What the? F- I started doing research and I was like, this is ridiculous. My list was at the twenty, and I was like, I gotta stop. Yeah, that would that would have made my top three. So, bye bye, Elephant Man. <laughs> So Elephant Man is now honorable mention. Uh-huh. Uh, um, okay, so, Fuck. you know, I put I put down here Mad Max, the newest Mad Max movie. I've not seen it in black and white, but it is in black well, and white. Oh, they did that with uh, uh, Logan, too. Exactly, yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I love the new Mad Max movie, and I'm going to just, I don't know, I put it down because I'm, because, because I can, it's my list. Well, we also, hey, we could also put down uh, 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 Stephen King's, uh, they did a black and white of, um, ah, shit. The Mist. Oh, they did. That's right. That'd I don't know. See, you. I think those movies deserve their color, though. Yeah, and same with Mad Max. Like, I've never seen it in black and white, and I don't really have any interest in it. But I thought the movie itself was fantastic. So yeah, but I, I feel like color was important in those films because they yeah. were so vibrant. And with The Mist, it was important because uh, when they were outside the store, everything was almost black and white, and the only color that would come through would be when the creatures would just peek through the mist a little bit, and that uh-huh. became a source of terror. It was almost used in the way that uh, Spielberg used, like, the red coat in Schindler's List. Yeah. Where, like, you'd see it pop up, and then it would really hit you in the gut. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, you know what? I put a racer head down here, and I don't like that movie. I don't. But uh, I felt like I had to put a David Lynch movie in there somewhere, and I'm like, I guess Eraserhead. I've never seen Elephant Man. Uh, and I know that it, there are a lot of fans of Eraserhead, and I'm not one of them. But uh, the DVD has been sitting on my shelf for probably five years. I've not watched it yet. Good luck. Uh, the Killing from Kubrick, of course. Embrace of the Serpent, which is one that I recently watched on the Roulette, and I thought that was beautiful—a beautiful movie in black and white. Throne of Blood, Hidden Fortress, of course, and there is the honorable mentions. I cannot believe I bricked so hard on Tetsuo. I mean, I felt I bad about Night of the Living Dead, but Tetsuo, shit. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That would probably, that that might have split my number one and two. That might have been number two. Damn, really? Oh, man, that's... I love that weird piece of crap. That thing is psychotic, and I love yeah. it. And I watched it once, and I still remember uh, most of it. It's That is insanity. Ah, I want you to get on board with that one. <laughs> I should. I know. I need to. I get. It's been. It's been so many years since I've watched that thing, um, but I just remember a big drill, right? Uh, yeah. His penis turns into a big drill. That's the one. Yeah. I mean, that is body horror right there. That that yeah. movie gets gory as crap. That's great. Okay, getting on in time. I need to get on to recently watched. And I'm up first again. Great. I love it. Uh, let's talk about Blade Runner 2049. How about that? All right. So I've been on this weird little tear where I've kind of been, I don't know, I've just been in the mood for high production value, high production budgets, and just big, epic, scopy type shit. And so uh, I want, you know what, I want to watch Blade Runner again, 2049, reevaluate. Since I've only seen it once, and when I, the first time I watched it, I was so excited about it, and was so into the movie that, yeah, you know how it goes. The drinks started flowing, and uh-huh. maybe I over-evaluated it. And so this time I thought, oh, I'll ease back on that. And mm, I don't know how successful I was in easing back on that, uh, <laughs> because, yeah, this movie rocks. And much like the original, it's not a happy feel-good time. It's not a swashbuckling uh, Star Wars adventure. 
that you're you're kind of hoping or, or kind of presumed you were going to get. At least that is how I went into the first Blade Runner. Is that the first couple times I watched that movie, I was eh, kind of meh on it. Uh, until I realized I need to reset my expectations. It's just not what I was expecting it to be. It's this other thing. It's this noir detective film. And again, why, you know, considering all of uh, the tones of the first film and applying that to the second film, this is damn near a perfect sequel. Is it happy? Nope. And there's a lot of hope through the middle of the film with, uh, what's his name's character? Son of a bitch. Who's the main guy? Harrison Ford? No, no, no. The main guy of 2049. It's uh, the notebook. Oh, Ryan Gosling. There you go. There's a lot of hope in his character arc. And the first time you watch this movie, it it is, spoiler alert, I guess, if you haven't seen the movie, when you get to the end, you're a little crushed if you're on that emotional journey with that character. But if you, the second time around, you take a step back and realize, and you know, you know what's coming, so if you look at the clues along the way, already knowing what's coming, it, it, I don't know if it makes it more or less heartbreaking for that character, because you're still rooting for him, and you still hope for him. And in the end, you still kind of get crushed. I guess it's a little less crushing, because you're like, I kind of should have seen it coming. Why did I not see it coming? This is one of those mysteries where the pieces are all set there, and you're they're presented in such a way, and you're like, okay, I'm looking at them objectively. I should have seen this coming, but I did not put them together in the right way. I put them together in the same way that Gosling's character does, which is what the filmmakers wanted you to do, which is why this is such a delicious piece of chess play. By who? Denny Villeneuve. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Tragic as hell. Yeah. I, I actually thought, huh, maybe for next month when I got to put together the top ten, maybe it should be the most tragic characters in cinema. Because this fucker might take the top notch. <laughs> poor, poor bastard. I feel so... He, at the end, is left with nothing and dying. And may, probably dead. But just tragic as all hell. Or maybe it's Harrison Ford, his character, forced to abandon child before birth, like, in order to save it. Uh, Just, holy shit. And performances abound. Oh my god, this movie. Fucking, I, 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 talk about really understanding the tone of the first film and capturing it and reproducing it. That's three magic tricks. That's a hat trick of magic tricks right there. (sighs) Cannot, that being said... Not a huge fan of Dune, the the story, the books. Not a huge fan of David Lynch's Dune. It's it's interesting because it's psychotic. Yeah. But, but Denny is making it. I'm in. I'm in. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in. in. Yeah, if, if anybody can capture it and do it, this this guy can. So yeah. <laughs> I can. I, all you gotta do is attach his name. I'm there. I'm good. You know, I've only watched it one time in the theaters, and I I quite liked it, and I want to watch it again. But it's it's to me, it doesn't lend itself. As well to rewatch it, although you rewatched it and you loved it, so I, I mean, I'm due for a. I'll say this too: three hours. It's three hours long, right? Yeah, that's long. With kid interruptions on a Saturday afternoon, so it took me like probably four. Never bored, not one second. Most of my time, I was angry that they're interrupting me, like no. not because mm-hmm. you're slowing the process down, because I'm trying. Like, I can't wait to get back to the screen. Just visually stunning. Uh, uh, back to you. Back to you. Okay. I, I, I can't. Um, oh, let's talk about... I always like to... If I go to the theater, I always like to talk about 
a theater viewing. So let's talk about Dora and the Lost City of Gold, shall we? Um, you know what? We talk about everything on this show. Oh, I know yeah. we do. I know. Um, we we want to take the kids to a movie before summer ends. And it was down between this and uh, Schindler's Land King. And we decided to go with uh, Dora and the Lost... <laughs> and uh, the Lost City of Gold. Um, and... And More. things are happening outside oh, his house. Drama, drama, drama. I'm not sure why I did a little jingle, but it's drama. Uh, Dora and the Lost City of Gold, or not the Last City of Gold. Have Dora you ever and the Lost to the show because you do jingles every episode. I do. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh well, then let's kick it off with Dora, Dora and drama, and the Lost City. Um. Uh, Isabella Moner is, uh, which by the way, she's from Cleveland. I think that's very cool. She's Dora. And, um, it's, this is essentially Indiana Jones for preteens, for my kids' age. And I must say, this was pretty fun. It was funny, well made, pretty fast paced, good, a couple good little action bits. Um, Kind of cheesy, not kind of, it's cheesy. But have you watched the cartoon? Because Lord knows I have all <laughs> who knows how many episodes back in the day with Lucas. And he loved Dora. Uh, and Diego. Oh, oh, and don't forget Diego. He's, yep, he's a, he's a, he's a guy. Um, they do a really funny poop joke in it. Like, legit, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can appreciate that. You, you threw a poop joke my way and I, I like that. I, I'm always down for a really good, or is it a poo-poo joke in this one? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure where I'm going with that. Um, oh. I, I think they were one Top Gun Tom Cruise joke away from you giving us a 10, is what I'm hearing. Exactly. I know. Give, give it a couple more watches. Oh, Benicio Del Toro is Swiper, and we all know Swiper as Swiper. No yeah. swiping. Uh-huh. Um, um, who else? Uh, there, Michael Pena is in this as... Uh, as Dora's dad, he's really funny. Actually, he's got a couple of genuinely hilarious lines in the movie. The, I think the biggest, um, the biggest negative was the villain was way too wacky, like kind of Three Stooges-y type in it for my liking. Of course, then you know I'm wanting like cannibals, and that would have been awesome, like Dora and the Lost City of the Cannibals. <laughs> Would have been great, and then beep, beep, beep. <laughs> see what I mean. Give it another ten. Give it another ten years when she's grown up just a little bit more, and then maybe yeah. it will be. It will be a uh, 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 Dora in the Emerald City, or or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. The green. Some. It's got to have something oh, green in it, right? Dora in the Green Inferno. There oh you go. man, that Inferno. Would be so awesome. Because um, she's got her own monkey, which of course the monkey would be eaten. Uh, anyway, <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He's not a human. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, I quite liked the movie, and my my boys loved the movie. In fact, when the movie was done, um, there was a they they do this teenage high school dance number at the very end in their high school, and so I'm like, oh, so what was your favorite part? And Lucas had one part that uh, he thought was really good. Actually, there's a there's almost a I say a drug part, but there's a scene where Dora and the explorers they go to this big open area where there's these big a huge plant and they open the plants open up and they spray this purple jizz all over the place and whatever and uh, <laughs> and Dora and all her little little 
buddies, they go and sniff this stuff or whatever, and it makes them hallucinate. And they hallucinate themselves into, like, their cartoon characters from the old cartoon. Now that's awesome. And it was hilarious. Like, you just tell all the adults in the theater were laughing. Because it was near, a nearly sold-out crowd. And it was Great. I'm like, wow, they, they went for it on that one. Cause I'm like, that is first cousins to a drug, uh, druggy type joke there. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it was great. Um, but then, so I think that was Lucas's favorite part, but then Hudson's, fa- Hudson's favorite part, my youngest was like, he's like, I like that song in the end. I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> it's like, dad, can you find that on YouTube? I'm like, oh, no, I'm sure I can. I'm sure I can, son. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> Bananas and monkeys, swinging poopy jokes and drugs. See, see, every week. I have to. It's Dora. Everybody sings with Dora. Oh, and she backpack and she got the backpack and the map. It's the map. It's oh, I gotta quit singing because you know there's a map song in the backpack. And that's all right. I need clips for the intro. Go ahead. So anyway, there you go. That's. Okay, uh, speaking of animated films, I'm going to do a quick double header and I'll be done. Back to you, you get one more round. Okay. Uh, let's start with Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I teased this review, but I don't believe I've done it yet. Uh, yeah, so my friends online said that this was um, actually really awesome. And I thought, ah, come on. I watched the trailer and the trailer was good, but I'm like, how excited am I going to get by this crossover? And this is not a recent crossover. Batman and the Ninja Turtles have crossed over before in the comics, going back to like the 90s, I want to say. It's been, I mean, back in the day. Uh, So, you know, I was a fan of the Ninja Turtles, uh, the movies. It was cool. Uh, But I was on the older edge line of that when they came around. So I was like, I, I dig them and that's cool, but I was not like fanatical about it. And the, I was more into the video games. When the cartoons came out, I was again, a little on the older side. That being said, this movie whips ass. I mean, absolutely kills it. Mm. You've got Batman villains crossing over to uh, fight the Ninja Turtles, and you've got Ninja Turtle villains fi- crossing over to fight Batman, and the all four of these arms and legs come to a head in Gotham. The Turtles come to Gotham and are com- constantly cracking jokes about how it compares to New York. Oh, I thought New York was bad. Gotham this. Uh, they have so many little things in it. Uh, I don't even want to say Easter eggs, really, but and I don't want to say what they are because I don't know how much you know about this stuff. But there were certain vehicles that popped up in the third act that shot certain weapons that made me go, (laughs) I remember that from the 90s when I was a kid and I had that toy. Uh, (laughs) Stuff like that. The action was awesome. The villains were truly villainous. They did not uh, neuter a Batman movie to include the turtles. They brought the turtles into a, a... not quite R-rated, but a definitely PG-13 rated kind of situation. And most people that don't know the comics are like, what? You can't have the turtles like that. But the people that know the comics will go, yeah, that's the way it should be. Because when the turtles started out, their original, oh, look it up for me. I want to say Eastman and Baird was the original guys that created it. Uh, the turtles were not a kid's property. They were hardcore. They were gory and violent, and weird little mutant turtles. 
so the original comics are dark and creepy, and I think they were mostly black and white, too. Great. Oh, that's cool. Great okay. shit. This is in my voodoo. I highly recommend it. You should check it out sometime. I think you would enjoy the hell out of it. Uh, can you watch it with the kids? No. I wouldn't watch this with my kids. It, it's yeah. a, they're, they're a little too young for this yet, because it's got some pretty creepy stuff in it. Uh, okay, anyway. Uh, the awesome. next one, next one I want to talk about is Batman Hush. And I oh, have okay. This, I've heard of that one. I have this graphic novel. I bought it, the, the compilation of the, the book run, whatever. And I watched the movie, and then I kind of fell asleep in the last half just because it was late and I was tired. And so I kind of backed it up and kind of watched the whole thing over again. And I don't... I, I'm going to have to go back and read the graphic novel again because I don't think they ran along the same plot lines. I feel like the book was quite a bit different. And I had my friends online were saying that uh, they like the movie better than the book. And I like I really like both. And I think there was enough difference that I don't they don't cross over. I, I don't know. I just felt like they were so different. Like this is an awesome movie. This is an awesome book. I don't I'm like oh you didn't capture the spirit of the book. Nah, I don't really feel that way. I feel like there was enough differences. I didn't didn't really care. It, it was it was a good it was a pretty damn good movie. Uh, I'm going to have to watch it, uh, you know, I like all these animated movies, I watch them over and over and over and over and over and over and reevaluate. but sometime I'm sure it'll probably come your way on the roulette. I okay. just, I don't know if it'll be anytime soon, because I want to really reevaluate and see where it falls with the other ones that you haven't watched yet. Cool. Back they both sound good. Both, both, I give, I give really high marks. That Ninja Turtles one, though, that one I'm like, Eugene will enjoy this. He, there's enough 80s nostalgia in here and enough in-jokes that he will get that you will dig this shit. Cool. Definitely want to check that one out. And I'm sure the runtime is what hour fifteen. Yeah, I, I, I it's got to be ninety minutes. It's it, it can't be crazy. None none of those animated ones are. Yeah. Uh, okay, wrapping things up for me. Uh, did I talk about the boys TV show on Amazon Prime yet? You had teased it, but okay, uh, so, before you, I mean, this is last round, so yeah. Okay, uh, well, we're, I'm gonna, we're gonna talk about option. Godzilla at some point. Well, I was just going to say, I, we can either review this, I can review this, or Godzilla King of Monsters, because I watched them both. I watched Godzilla. Then so Godzilla up, it is! It's and up I'll, to you. Tr- I'll try to uh, review The Boys, because that's... i got to talk about The Boys at some point, which even saying that sounds kind of weird and awkward, but coming from me, you should expect nothing, nothing less. Um, <laughs> Godzilla... So I watched this one. This is the new one from director Michael uh, Doherty. Uh, he also directed the excellent Krampus and the oh, what's the Halloween thing that he did with the trick or treat? Trick or treat. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie got a ton of hate and did meh at the box office, thus ensuring the pretty much end of the Godzilla universe. Other than I, I guess they are going to still do Godzilla versus King Kong, but I think that that might be it, which is unfortunate. I did like this movie, um, but I went in with a bit lower expectations. Uh, the story I think is fairly thin and I do, I, I mean, all of the criticisms that were aimed at this movie upon its theatrical release, I see why, but as a big creature feature type thing, I, I enjoyed it. Um, the special effects are incredible. Uh, the acting is fine for what it is. I don't think it's as well made as nineteen or as 2014's Godzilla. And I think that uh, the less is more approach that that one had was 
good, but I do I do like that we just get all sorts of creatures thrown out thrown at us in this one. I think that's great. Uh, we all the classics, Mothra's in there, and Gitter, all of those classic uh, Gojira type creatures are in there. Um, anyway, I thought it was good. I a bit long, but mm. I oh, so we're gonna oh, we're gonna end the show in a fight, are we? Oh, did you love this thing, or you either loved it or hated it? I'm oh, not. Oh, by sh- the way, uh, Batman and uh, Ninja Turtles and Batman Hush; those are hour twenty, hour twenty-five. Perfect. So, so anyway, uh, you. So what I'm getting from you is like, uh, it's okay, it's, it's fine, and I understand what the critics were saying. That's that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. I actually, I'm looking. I gave it. Th- I gave it three and a half. I okay. Okay, can can we? Uh, I want to establish something up front here. Maybe I'm wrong, and I, correct me if I am. If I am, um, would you say that between the two of us, that I'm probably more of the Godzilla fan? Oh, by far, yes. Okay, okay. I didn't. I didn't want to step on your toes too much. Oh no, no, by far. I, I feel like I am. Yeah, this fucking kicked ass. <laughs> oh my lord, there were so many Easter eggs in this bitch. Of of old school Godzilla movies, just the little just little things, nothing major. Uh, uh, names here and there. Oh, they called him Monster Zero, and I'm like, they called him Monster Zero, King Kong. Oh, see, I would have. I I, I wondered if I'm like they keep calling. That's not Monster Zero. It's Ghidorah, right? Or yeah, but in the one movie, he is called Monster Zero, and he comes from another fucking planet. They bring that him. That was cool. They bring him from. They carry him from another planet to fight Godzilla. To, and Godzilla kicks his ass. Then they, in the meantime, they realize that he is worse than Godzilla, and we need to have a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. What was the big mammoth deal thing? Was he something? I, I didn't recognize the mammoth creature. I didn't either, and I'm not a Godzilla freaking historian. I would just, like I said, between the two of us, I think I'm more Godzilla fan. But uh, the mammoth thing, I didn't, I, there's a bunch of, there's like 35 Godzilla movies, okay? I haven't seen them all. And they included a hell of a lot. And how many Easter eggs in there uh, we're in there from uh, Kong Skull Island. Oh, every now and then you'd hear them mention Kong, or they'd mention Skull Island. I'm like, oh, yeah. And show clips. And I think that movie is actually done filming, from what oh, I heard. I could good. be wrong, but uh, I believe that one's in the bag, and they're going to do Godzilla. And I'm like, but after, where do you go from? <sighs> Ghidorah is my favorite Godzilla villain. So... If he's going to be in this movie, that's the top for me. I'm not a huge Godzilla King Kong, like that battle. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Okay. If you, th- I, the three headed dragon dude, that's my dude. Yeah. And I was a little nervous the first time they met up in this movie because he ripped off one of the heads and I'm like, wait, is that it? That can't be yeah, it. Yeah. I was like, like whoa. He, this is the biggest, baddest villain he's got. Like, come on. And, and then, no, it, it no, no. Shits out it, another head. It worked out. It worked out. It worked out. <laughs> that, that, it, they, they, Gave him his due justice and and made him as bad a villain as he as I feel he is, which I loved. Um, didn't feel too long to me. Uh, I I wish I wish they had spent a little more time with Godzilla fighting some of the other monsters. Like you introduced thirty seven monsters, uh, have him fight a couple of them. He only fought like two. Yeah, you know? uh, he could have fought a few more. And I know you. I, I love the idea of the un, uh, through the earth water tunnels. That that's how Godzilla gets around so quick. Okay, yeah. that makes sense now. I got it. <laughs> and Godzilla has a home. And uh, that was... what did you think of uh, of um the, well, I guess, what did you, like the the human characters? It just I that felt a bit lacking to me, and it just felt like 
we're just here to talk a little bit, So, that, which is probably what the original Japanese versions were. Just we're Actually, talking in this room to the, get to the... The original action. Japanese versions are... Uh, uh, co- they're a combination of meetings with h- humans having meetings and then Godzilla walking and stomping on shit. That's all. And that's essentially had- what we just watched. <laughs> that's it. And that's what they did. Yeah. They have meetings and then they, he stomps on shit. I, I like that they, they added to some of his character as far as, oh, he's flashing his lights because he's afraid of something. Mm-hmm. That, that, that scene, I thought that was interesting. They brought a little more animalistic nature to him. That's cool. Uh, what else? Man, bringing him, spoiler, I guess, bringing him back to life. Well, and if you uh, watch the anime, that that anim- triple anime feature, yeah. you can't kill him. He's unfucking killable. Just quit. <laughs> just quit. You can't kill him. Whatever it is, if he's dead, he's like Wolverine. He's coming back. It, it's yeah. He, you can't kill him. Uh, so every time, you, if I see it in a movie, oh, we did it. We killed him. Oh no, we did it. We killed him. Oh no. It, no, no, you didn't. He's coming back because you can't. His cells regenerate. Forget about it. He's coming back. And he always came back at just the right time, which is mm-hmm. great. I love that. Uh, there was a criticism I did have. Um, oh, humans doing stupid shit. Like, uh, the Titan Mothra is being born. I got an idea. Let's put a walkway no. right tight up around him and have guys with electric guns standing right there. Like, why wouldn't you have him a uh, football field back? Uh-huh. Another thing. Uh, 2014 was t- 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 five years ago. And in the span of five years, they managed to find, again, I don't remember the number, 37 of these Titans, and they dig them up and build gigantic, huge f- facilities around them. That they all escape from immediately. <laughs> yeah, and in five years. And after the, the millions of people that Godzilla and the, whatever the creatures from 2014 movie were called, the millions of people that they killed, you still had enough money and resources and people to build all those gigantic, I mean, we're talking tens of what, 15, 20 story facilities uh, yeah. around these Titans. That part was a little ridiculous, but what are you going to do? If I were them, I would have maybe just set it a little bit in the future. And that would have uh, given you a little more time for the setup of that. And for the tech, the super future technology that you have. And, Cause they do. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I make noise and the Titans can hear it all over the world from a ball yeah. field in Baltimore. Like, right, I, I get it. There's ridiculous <laughs> stuff in here. I'm not saying this movie's a 10. I'm just saying from somebody who's watched like 27 Godzilla films, this is right pretty much in line without being one of those. Uh, okay. The, uh, what was it? Uh, Shin Godzilla that I watched uh, uh-huh. and reviewed. That was not, yeah, that wasn't long ago that you watched that. That one. was a very recent Godzilla movie. I, I, I really liked it, but that's an homage to the original Godzilla movies. IE it's fucking boring. Whereas this one isn't more of a homage to some of those things while being like the nineties and two thousands Godzilla second wave where let's destroy shit. Yeah. And do they ever? Um, oh, do they ever? Who? And, and you know another thing they got right. While the creature never speaks, Rodan still an asshole, just a complete <laughs> asshole. That's the big flying bird thing. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, he's a prick. Sorry, I've taken over yeah. your review. No, no, no. I'm glad you. I, I actually, I'm ecstatic <laughs> that you loved it uh, because the movie got a ton of hate, and I, I enjoyed it. I. And in fact, I have a feeling that the next time I'll probably like it even more. Uh, I'm just glad that you weren't like, that movie sucked. Because no. it didn't, it didn't suck. I, it was quite good. And um, I don't but, understand the critics. Because uh, these are the same people that criticized the 2014 movie. Oh, it's slow. You barely see Godzilla. There's barely any action. 
And then we get to this one, and it's cram-packed. Okay, well, up the action then. And they're like, oh, it's all action. There's no character development. It's like, you armchair frickin' critics. Like, <laughs> shut, just shut up. But, yep, it good movie. Uh, board, I mean, three and a half out of five for me, and that could easily turn to a four on next viewing. We'll see. I don't know. I just, I love this universe. I wish that there would be tons of these movies, because Skull Island was fantastic, and the Gareth Edwards 2014 Godzilla was great, and this one was quite good too. And unfortunately, I just i I have this feeling that we're going to get Godzilla vs Kong, and then that might be it. But we'll see. I don't know. Maybe that one will blow up, and that'll be enough to make another one. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think any of these people will be happy with anything they put out. I know. I, it's like even, Star Wars. Yeah. Any anything Star Wars. It's... Bullshit. One, please. Yeah. yeah huh? Exactly. <laughs> For a midnight show. Yeah. This looks stupid. As I, yeah, as I holster my lightsaber and, yeah, pull my mullet back into a ponytail and, <laughs> yeah. Wave your hand at the ticket lady. You will give me one free ticket. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else you want to add for this episode? We can just go into awkward time? Um, uh, coming soon? Oh, I, I mean, I guess if you want to go, oh, I'm up first. Like I said, I've been watching these, um, what do we got here? I watched Avengers Endgame again. Thank you on your voodoo. I watched Spider-Verse again because <laughs> that's, Why not? this is what I do. This is my big scope shit I'm watching. Uh, Adjustment Bureau, I need to review that. And I think I need to start watching some more VHS tapes. Hmm, not sure what. We'll see. Back to you. Okay, for me, um, soccer. I got soccer games coming up. You got that? Yep, that's gonna be yeah, super exciting. Um, Winchester. I watched that, and I'll maybe review that. It's barely worth a review, but I might review that on a future show. <clears throat> I do have to I, uh, sidebar. I do have to laugh when I go to your voodoo, and it says. You got that tab where it's like currently watching and it shows everything you've been watching that you haven't finished yet. And I just uh-huh. kind of, every time I start laughing, I'm just like, why? First of all, why do you own that? Second of all, why are you watching it? Um, uh, and that is, there's a reason why Seinfeld, I own Winchester. The whole series, huh? The whole uh. damn thing. <laughs> that was my Seinfeld. Ugh, I'm embarrassed. Um... <laughs> Uh, the boys, I'm going to watch the boys and I'm going to watch, um, in my voodoo, Charlie Sheen beyond yeah. the law. Uh-huh. Why? Um, That's a VHS right there. Yep. Oh, cause he's got, he's got great hair in the picture there. I mean, right. Oh shit. Uh, what else? Dread. <laughs> um, oh, what else? See, now I'm awkward. Um, <laughs> You want I said the boys. Um, that's it. I'm spent. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's, All right. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> I want to slap your hand and say Eugene, no Eugene, but <laughs> Eugene's oh, going to Eugene. That's great. <laughs> I really wish that I would have like the actual words to the Dora song that I could like legit sing good instead of just making shit up. But I don't. I nah, just, just go for it. Uh, uh, or no swiping. I, uh, the, um, <laughs> oh, and she speaks in Spanish too. What does she say? Um, 
And now no you're just going to insult all of our Spanish I know, I, I know, because I was going to say no queso, but that's like no cheese. Oh, jeez. That's like <laughs> no, taco, no Taco Bell or something. Oh, Come I on. know, but she... I don't know. I just... Da-da-da-da-da-da-da is all I know. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I'll see you next time. <laughs> yep. <sighs> for listening. Hey, if you want to get a hold of the Movie Freaks, you can get a hold of us facebook.com backslash moviefreakspod on Twitter at moviefreakspod. Drop us an email, moviefreakspod at yahoo.com. Intro music was public domain by www.rutgermuller.nl.